Hello, welcome to another episode of Rahalastapa, this week with the amazing Susie Ruffle. Uh, thanks very much for supporting the Kickstarter, if you did. We have funded the 28 podcasts uh, so far this year, so that is fantastic news. Uh, if you want to come and see a live show, we are performing at Leeds on May the 11th with guests uh, Marlon and Paddy from off of Emmerdale and Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. Only a few tickets left for that one. And the 25th of May in Salford. Go to richardherring.com slash gigs. You can find out all about those. Both very close to selling out. There's also all the other tour dates mentioned there, including a new one in Canterbury in July, plus all the Edinburgh dates. I'm at the Newtown Theatre at 1.30pm every day from the 2nd to the 25th of August except on Mondays, and I'll be talking to the big stars of the Fringe, and we'll be putting those out daily in August as well, so there'll be lots of podcasts to listen to at home. Thanks for all the support. I hope you will enjoy this lovely podcast. Keep listening and spread the news to your friends, my fan friends. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who now only works Mondays. It's Richard Herring! How lovely to be here. Uh, welcome to another episode of Richard Herring List Smelly Toilets podcast. I just it's important to keep things moving. It's a very competitive market now, podcast, so you've got to just have a unique selling point. And mine is to list smelly toilets. The sm- first one I'm going to list is the one backstage in dressing room one. It smells very bad. <laughs> that's, that's the only one I've got so far. It might be a, might be a less entertaining podcast than usual. Though I was talking to... Um, the man who pretends to be Pikachu in Leicester Square. Um, dresses up and has photos taken, usually with children. Um, he asked me why I wanted a photo with him, and I said, because, you know, I like you. And, and he, he calls it relative anyway. I don't know if that's going to catch on. So many people to choose from out there. Merlin Trotter, the tarot reader, is my personal favourite. Uh, but... Um, there was, a, there was a woman out there just called Alice. It just had a name. It said Alice on a little tub. I don't know if you had seen the street performers out in the square. She was just a, a, a lady sitting with a, a toy cat on her head and a little tray in front of her saying Alice. And I think that was it. I think that's who she wanted to put money in there. I don't know what happened if you put money in. Look out for her. She's going to be big. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I've turned into a house husband. I got sacked from the one other job I was doing this year uh, by Tim from The Office. And... Uh, and so now I have, I've been, because I'm at home, so I've got to look after the kids. It's terrible. Uh, but uh, no, it's good. I'm enjoying being a, being a dad. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Don't ever have children. And um, <laughs> my daughter made me very proud the other day. We were, went to an activity farm uh, near where we live, uh, and she was playing in a playground. And she's very confident, my daughter, which I, I hope will not get knocked out of her by life. Uh, she, there was... A little girl got on the climbing frame with her and my daughter went, hello! And the girl went, hello? Uh, and she said, I'm Phoebe! And the girl didn't say anything. I didn't want to be friends, but it's good she's confident. And she said, then said, this is what made me proud. She said, I do funny jokes sometimes. <laughs> Come on, that's her defining quality. Four years old. And what I liked about it is she put sometimes in there, because that's good, because if... <laughs> If the girl had come back and said, well, do a funny joke, then she'd go, well, no, I'm not, just not always going to, just sometimes. <laughs> and uh, she, we, she was driving, she got on these uh, little cars, electric cars, you put a pound in there and it drives around. And she was really good, right? She was like, re- she kept on driving towards the other cars. Oh, God, she's going to crash. And then she would just steer around it. And it really excellent. Uh, uh, very, I was very impressed because I'm aware that she's driven anything before. And... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and at the end, we went through the gift shop and we didn't buy anything, so she obviously had a strop. I can understand. That's what I used to be like. Yeah, that guy is with me. Uh, so she was, and as we were driving, she was crying. I said, come, we had a great time and you were brilliant. You were brilliant on those cars. You're a better driver than I am. And she said to me, well, why can't I drive then? <laughs> she said, you know, you can't really argue with that, can you? So I nearly let her and... Uh, my dad let me drive once when I was about four or five. We were on ho- I remember we were on holiday in I- the Isle of Arran and we are driving around quite a cliff, a rocky kind of cliff. And my dad sat me on his knee. So I must have been tiny. I must have been about the same age. And I thought, you know, when you'd seen people drive, it's just that, isn't it? So I, li- I just did that, literally did that, and nearly drove us off the road and killed us all. My dad, my dad doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember the many times he tried to kill us. Uh, anyway, look, I'm going to crack on. Uh, as of today, 56 days without an alcoholic drink. Yeah. I drank a lot during the podcast last year, to be fair. So a lot of it's still in my system. Actually, I didn't drink very much, but I got very drunk. Um, and 56 days without chocolate. Imagine that. But look. Look at the results. I was, I was much fatter, even fatter before. Imagine, imagine that. Can you imagine? Are you imagining it? Good, you've got a good imagination because I'm very thin now. So uh, I'm 17 pounds lighter than I was at the start of the year. That's not too bad as it's saying. All of my audience of men. It can be done. Uh, So nothing wrong with carrying a bit of weight. Uh, So my guest this week, in this one show we're doing this week, is best known probably I think for being on the poster of the Rich Terring show What Is Love Anyway? That is why we're all that's why we're all here. This is one of the female scientists taking out my heart on the What Is Love poster. Ladies and gentlemen it's Susie Ruffle! That was formal. It was very formal. You've got to be formal these days. You have to be careful. I didn't know we were going to shake hands. Yes you have to shake hands. That's Good. all you're allowed. Even that is too much in this day and age. Am I, I right? Like in this too, day yeah. and age. <laughs> what do you remember about being... You must have been very excited to be on my poster back in 2000. Yeah. Must have, that must have been a thrill for you. Big day for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> me and your wife. Yeah. And Hannah Woman. Yeah, Hannah Woman, yeah. yeah. You're, the, you're taken to an industrial unit some way from the yeah. Hangar Lane roundabout. I mean, I'd have been a bit scared if I'd been you. <laughs> there was, yeah, and then I was. We went into a big. It was like, and there was lots of medical supplies in the. Yeah, and like skeletons fake and things in there. Bits of bodies and yeah. stuff. Well, we think it was fake. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Thank you for coming, and you know, well done for escaping my trap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife didn't. Wasn't as lucky. She, no, I know. I. She had to marry me. I, I get in um, touch with her occasionally to make sure she's all right. Yeah. Do people come up to you and go, are you that woman off the post, the Rich Daring Love What Is Love Anyway poster? Has that ever happened to would you? Would you like me to say yes? Yeah, no, I would like, I'd like an honest answer. No, never. Okay. So, lovely to have you on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we have known you for... You've been doing stand-up quite a while now and it's sort of all kind of happening now, I would say, for you, isn't it? This last couple of years has been yeah, quite it's... good. Yeah. But it takes a long time to get going. How did you get started in stand-up? You're about, was it about that time, 2009? It's about ten years ago, ten so years yes. Ago, yeah. Um, yes, that's correct. Um, I, yeah, I uh, started off by... I was doing a bit of acting. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I say a bit of acting. My phone was not ringing. And uh, so I tried stand-up and loved it. 
What and were you doing before? Was it just acting? Were you doing, did you do any other jobs before you Oh, came yeah, to loads of them. What, what do you um, do? Loads of shit jobs. Yeah. I've worked in a dinky donut van. <laughs> dinky donut? A dinky donut van. I've worked in my auntie's burger van, live and let fry. Okay. <laughs> any outside of van work? Some. Yeah, good. I've worked in a lot of shit shops. Yeah. But you're not allowed to say that when you work there. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've done like lots of bar work. I think that if I hadn't become a comic, I would have become a really good barman. Yeah, woman, bar person. Oh, yeah. I did. I did a lot of bar work, and, and uh, just in between when I went to uh, after university, yeah, I, would, I was I worked in bars, and I quite liked it. Yeah, I, I got quite sacked like... from one bar. What for? Just I think like he didn't like my attitude. I'm not a I, massive fan of it, and I didn't. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't iron my shirt. And he didn't like that. Suffable. And I said, well, you're paying me £25 a week. I can't afford an iron, mate. <laughs> you want to give me an iron, I'll iron my shit. But the other pub really liked me, so I stayed there. Okay. And you can steal quite a lot. I was talking to you backstage about me stealing, because we were talking about Portsmouth. Yeah, you were talking about stealing from students, right? Yeah, I was. <laughs> wasn't good. I wouldn't put this on the podcast, But also, right? you could steal... I found it quite easy to steal money from pubs that I worked in. That's as well. not okay. Because... <laughs> I appreciate that I've really, like... I've really gone to town on my working class roots yeah. for stand up, but yeah. you can't get me into this. I was quite good at stealing stuff. I don't think when I was the, see, I don't think this is. The, Are we all right with this? I don't know. Is this? I t- I t- when I was in Bath, I told a story in Bath where I stole some money from. I didn't steal it. I just acquired some money. And it's the same story you happened in Portsmouth. 100% in Portsmouth, I took, I took like thirty language, rich language students who'd come to. You don't know that they were rich. Yeah, they Their were. Parents they had put money the last bit of money to rich. go. No, he must go and learn English somewhere not here. I don't know where here is. But we will give all of our money for him to they go. They were all rich, and they, we went to the woman who ran the school. Said, "Take the money off them before you get, and then pay pay at the booth." They don't, there's no concessions. Everyone has to buy an adult ticket. So I got them, they told me how much that was. I got the money off everyone for the adult ticket. When I got to the booth, they, they, everyone was happy. I got to the booth, the woman said, are they students? And I went, yeah. And, they, and then it was like 30, 40, 50 pounds cheaper in total. I couldn't go back and give everyone 99p, could I? Well, you could have. You could have just I said... Could not have done you could have that. bought everyone a cup of tea. I could have done, but it would have been time-consuming. We had to look around, we had to look around HMS Victory. I was very focused on my job. And what do you remember about HMS um, Victory? The... You took it in, then. <laughs> there, was a can, there was a cannon on it. There's a lot of cannons. Yeah. I remember it being an old boat. <laughs> uh, Lord Nelson was on it. What, when you went? Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a lot older than me, but fucking hell. So, uh, but when I worked in pubs, what you could do, this is a, tri- a tip for anyone who's working in the 1980s in a bar. Um, they just, you just rung up whatever the drinks were. You could just ring up like a pound less than it was and then take, you take a pound, put it in your sock, no one knew. <laughs> and during that time, I stayed in my college accommodation that summer and they, I think they forgot to charge me for that as well. So I didn't pay for an accommodation... <laughs> And I was You're bank- not coming across great, and just I was, FYI. I was banking more money than I was earning. <laughs> Never got caught. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Bragging about my crimes. Come and get me. <laughs> anyway, Portsmouth is nice. You're from Portsmouth. I'm from so Portsmouth. were these places in Portsmouth you were working? Or the were Dinky you- Donut van was, and my auntie's burger van was. Was, um, the, was the van dinky or were the donuts dinky? Were the- you in a very small van uh, no, serving regular-sized donuts? 
I would have preferred that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, was in a, I was in a regular van. Selling small, selling small donuts. donuts. Ten for a pound. When you claim that I'm the thief here. Sell normal sized donuts. Stop selling little tiny... <laughs> ten for a pound. They probably cost you 90p. That's 10p you're making there. But it is business. The, yeah, who's the... So stealing from students. Apparently so. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the best thing about Portsmouth? Do you, well, I was going to ask you about um, who's your favourite person who was born in Portsmouth? Susie Ruffle. Yeah. After yourself? Anne Ruffle. Okay. How, long, how far back in Portsmouth did the Ruffle family go? Generations. Generations. I don't, yeah, I don't know anyone that's not from Portsmouth. Really? In the family. Wow. Like, one of my, my granddad considered moving about 20 miles up the road, and everyone went, oh, don't do that, we'll never see you. And that was it, they didn't move. Charles Dickens was born in Portsmouth? He was born there, but he left, I think, moments after his birth. Did he? Yeah, he was like, oh, fuck this. Uh, Isambard Kingdom Brunel was born in Portsmouth? Yeah, there's a road named after him. Wow, that's pretty good. H.G. Okay. Wells wrote some books in, in Portsmouth? Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's popular. It's popular with... Do you know that... Um, Helen Duncan, the last person imprisoned under the 1735 Witchcraft Act, was from Portsmouth. Great aunt. Do you want to know what year it was? Yeah, go on. 1944. <laughs> what? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Helen Duncan was the last person imprisoned under the 1735 Witchcraft Act, and it was what did in she do? 1944. She, she, worked, she, did like, she was a medium, so she did stuff. Uh, with tarot cards and like Merlin, Merlin Trotter. Uh, I think she did. I think she, you know, talked Spoke to, to the dead, communed with the dead, and so the people of Portsmouth are terrified of like that. Psychic and lo- Sally. Locked her up. Like what? Psychic yes, Sally. Yes, I like Psychic Sally, but the people of Portsmouth at least locked this woman up. Where psych- <laughs> Psychic Sally seems to walk free, or she died now. No, she's still um, going. Yeah. Well, if she's talk not, to her she either could, way, yeah. Yeah, she'd still do her show. <laughs> you can still get me on this channel. <laughs> Did you know about Helen Duncan? No, I didn't, but I'm interested in her now. It's good. What's your favourite tourist attraction in Portsmouth? Um, the house that Susie Ruffle grew up in. Okay. No. Um, um, oh, there's not that many good ones. Gunwolf's quite nice, but that's just for shopping. Okay. I wouldn't say it's a tourist attraction. Charles Dickens Birthplace Museum, we've been there? I don't think it's a museum, is it? I'm only going from Wikipedia. Yeah, I think he might be uh, wrong. And like they didn't mention HMS Victory in that, or I didn't notice it, so... Because I forgot it was in Portsmouth. Yeah, it's in Portsmouth. Yeah, yeah it's not nice. very... I think it's, the pier's quite nice. You can go and play on the 2 pushy machines. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. There's, there's piers everywhere. <laughs> Is pier this of, going well? There's a pier. <laughs> Better than usual. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fine. Um... I have a question. I think you can answer this because I've seen. I think I've seen the answer. I have a new emergency question, which is, what is the worst thing a teacher at school ever said to you? But I think I know the answer to this question yeah. for you. But this is something that happened. Like, we talked about this last week with one of the guests. I forget who. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I forget who we had on last week. But your teacher said to you, "You will never amount to anything." Yeah, it's a terrible thing for a teacher to yeah. say. Yeah, so you'll never amount to anything, Ruffle. And I said, I'll amount to more than you, wanker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, got in. Basically, they called my mum and dad up the school. Uh, this is material, sorry. I did it on a telly thing. But they called my mum and dad up the school. Dad came up the school. They told my dad the story. And my dad said, what have you got to say for yourself? And I said, well, he said I'd amount to nothing. So I called him a wanker. And my dad just looked at the headmaster and went, 
that does sound like the type of thing a wanker would do. <laughs> and I got a letter of apology. Did you? It's true. Yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of weird that teachers can be so horrific. Yeah, I went to a really shit school. Yeah, but that's even more so. Yeah. It, it must be... I mean, it's difficult. I tried to... Whoever it was last week. Who was on the show last week? Who was it? James Oh, James Who's A... That? James Acaster. He's, forget, he's a forgettable figure. But he... Um, <laughs> No, do you know what? He's doing all right. He's Fair doing, play to okay? him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen his new stuff. It's all yeah. right. He's, uh, he had the same thing where his t- teacher said something appalling to him. Yeah, it's That's, out of order. I, mean, I think, like, teachers... You know, I would have been a teacher if I hadn't done um, this. What, stolen from all of the yeah. kids? <laughs> <laughs> think of the money you could have made. <laughs> Why more than this podcast? <laughs> it would have been good, because also if you're a teacher, you could just get there. They've all got po- money for dinner, haven't they? Yeah, you just have that now. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm the new, you have to give me the dinner money now, and then... What, are you just taking the sandwiches just, you'd made? I'd just say, give me the dinner money, and then uh, here's a chitty, and you take that into the, to the kitchen. A chitty? A chitty, yeah. I'd give him a Sorry, chitty. Sorry, are we back in the 1940s? What's a chitty? <laughs> chitty, it's a while ago. What's a chitty? I'd give him a chitty, like a chit, little like chitty. Like a chitty bang bang? <laughs> chitty, a little chit. A little chit. Ch- a little chitty. Are you having a stroke? Chitty. <laughs> a chitty. Sorry, by way of cheering, give me a cheer if you know what chitty is. Okay, give me a cheer if you're under 30 and you know what chitty is. There we go. (laughs) Give me a cheer if you're under 30. I'm not under 30. I like to be with the kids. I'll give them a piece of paper to take to the the canteen. Oh, like a chitty? Yeah, Yeah, okay. And then when they got there, they go, no, that's not take one. And then they come up to me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. But I do it every day. And then, yeah. And how long before you think the parents would come in? I reckon I get, could do it for a few years. Whereas the yeah. children's got slimmer and slimmer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think about some of the crimes that people have got away Sorry, wait, you're time. saying to me that you think that a teacher telling me that I'd never amount to something is bang out of order. Yeah. But you think slowly starving children <laughs> for your own benefit so you can reap the monetary rewards is absolutely fine. They don't pay teachers enough, do they? So that would be a way of making some, <laughs> some money back. You've got to try and encourage teachers to stay in the profession now. So you let them have the dinner money. That's what you just go, you turn a blind eye to that. Definitely. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this that's. But I, I've read two things. One saying that you're the only person in your family to go to university, and one saying you didn't go to university. So I, I didn't go to university. Yeah, that's what I. I'm the only person I, in my family to leave Portsmouth. Okay. <laughs> So, so, uh, and you, you move. One of your shows is about this kind of moving for this working class. The, the fact that I'm to... now a sort of a middle class person, but I'm yeah. from sort of definitely working class heritage. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a coalman, and sort of his whole family sort of lived a coal. No one went to school. Mum worked in like shops or factories, and so it's uh, so so it's sort of I live sort of a very different sort of life to my mum and dad. They're sort of yeah. But also, to, weirdly, and this is a kind, of, this is a weird development in the comedy scene. Um, that's quite unusual amongst comedians, right? Like that you, you're kind of seen as being this working class voice amongst comedians. There aren't that many working class comedians no, at the moment. There's not. No, I don't think there really is. Certainly, um, I, I've found that. Yeah, I've seen certainly sort of like when I've been up at the Edinburgh Festival, it's been sort of very, you know, there's a lot of Oxbridge. Yeah, I was going to say Oxblood, but that's not the thing. <laughs> Didn't go to uni and. Uh, and, and so I've, I've always, yeah, to be someone, to be a comic that sort of didn't go to uni and doesn't, and wasn't in like a comedy society or any of that stuff and to come in for quite a different route, yeah, I've always felt a little bit, it is... Because in the 80s, 
I think there were, you know, there was, and obviously traditionally comedy was a, a working class avenue to get places. And when, and I think when, you know, alternative comedy came along, a lot of people pretended to be working class, but there were, yeah. there were like a significant amount of actual working class comedians. I think it's now because it's so expensive to, like, you ha- as a comic, you have to go to Edinburgh. Yeah. To sort of make, to, so people can see you and so you can improve and do, you know, 26 shows in 26 days and get better and better and better. So you've got to go, but it's so expensive. Like every, I've, last year I sold out my venue for the entire run and did two extra shows and I was still 500 pounds down. Like it's so expensive because you've got to pay for like your room, you've got to pay for the, your, like the room that you do your show in for an hour every day. Then you have to pay for your accommodation while you're up there. I have to pay for my rent when I'm still at home. Then I have to pay for my flyers, my flyers, my photo shoot, my posters. And then you lose money throughout July because you're doing previews. So you're earning less money because you're saying to people, hey, come along for, you know, pay three quid so I can try out all these different ideas on stage. And so every time, like the worst time I lost about four and a half grand. And you just have to go, okay, well, I really hope this career eventually works out because <laughs> I'm putting everything I have into it. And I think but that, that's, the game, that's the gamble. And like, so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of comedians decide not to do it, and that's fine. Yeah, but, but, but I, I think, think you're I'm, right. To make that progression prob- in your career, you probably do need to do But it. I don't know anyone that's broke through in the last sort of 10 years that hasn't done Edinburgh. No. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. I, think that, and I think that a lot Mrs. of... Brown, Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> yeah. But I know might have, she might have done it. She might have done it. Is, it, in she, is yeah. it a, a woman or not? I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, but yeah, other than other than those sorts of like sort of phenomenon telly shows. Yeah, yeah. That um, but yeah, and so and then a lot of you know, a lot of people that are in stand up and like I mean great for them, but like might have parents that own places in London that they or they live with there, they can still live with their parents who live in London, like all that sort of thing. So for me to sort of really make the leap into comedy, I was so broke for the first six years. So broke. Like, so frequently I had to bring my mum and dad and be like, please send me my rent for two weeks. And then I've got other gigs coming up and I'd slowly be able to, like, top them back up. Like, you know, give yeah. them the money back. And it's just... It, it's really hard when you've yeah, not well, got a really wealthy family behind you. And I think it's because there's so many more people doing stand-up. Yeah. So in the 90s, when I came, you know, the early Yeah, any 90s, shit could get through. Exactly. <laughs> but there was nobody doing it. There was hardly anyone doing it. So you could get you could do a gig one week and get a paid gig at the same venue the next week. You know they'd yeah. say, "Can you come and headline this gig next week?" You know sometimes. And now Whereas you'd have now, to you'd, you'd, you know, wait, you'd like wait six for months. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to wait months for your next gig. But also, there's so much competition. My rent was I think um, we shared a house, but I think my rent was eighty pounds a week. For, Mine's a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a job and I earned one hundred and fifty pounds a week, so I had seventy pounds to play with in the week. It was incredible. Uh, what a what a luxurious life I had, but yeah, but it's it's it, 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 I suppose that is it. But it's sort of weird that that's the the case. It's sort of disappointing that 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 someone can be the working class voice of the comedy circuit and be kind of heralded as that. So it should be. Yeah, I don't know. I think I sort of I do, sort of did that a bit myself mm. of being like, here's a slightly different viewpoint. You do need that kind of angle now as a stand-up. I think, stand-up. You, I think you need it certainly when you're sort of writing a show. Now I, now I feel like I can just write a show of stand-up and hopefully people will come. But I think certainly when you're coming through and you're trying to make a name for yourself, it's like, it's about this thing. So that every time you do, you know, you do all these interviews on your way up to Edinburgh with all these magazines that you have to pretend you've heard of and you, and you have to sort of go, oh yeah, it's about this thing and you can sort of sell that it's a thing that it's about. But it, it, yeah, you have to sort of have a hook to put everything on. <laughs> but it's good, you know, you, you do mine your own life and your own experiences. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I've mined a lot of it now. Yeah, I'm a bit but, like, you know, it'll keep going, I need some worry. experiences. It'll keep going, don't worry. I, I've, I've been doing it. 
for a long time. Oh, just, yeah. Things keep happening. Increasingly dull things, that's the yeah. problem. But uh, <laughs> you can make something out of that. So are you are dyslexic? Yep. You're a woman. I mean, that's weird. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. You, uh, you're a lesbian? Yep, full time. Yeah. <laughs> so these are all things you've talked about in your, in your show, but well, not maybe necessarily the woman thing. Although... <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. Well, actually... <laughs> Actually, I mean, you think it's obvious, but <laughs> if you look at some of my comments under YouTube videos, <laughs> what's that fucking bloke talking about? <laughs> How dare you? These are very tiny titties. Uh, you do wear suits and things. I do know, wear you suits wear very stylishly, though. Thank I, I mean, you, I appreciate that. In From a masculine me. way. What? I mean, look at this. I, 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 know. Wear, like, I like these, that a lot. Look at these jeans didn't come cheap. No, did you steal them from a student? <laughs> <laughs> I buy most of my clothes from Tesco's now. Because I'm transitioning into a thin person. I, I, I identify as being thin. Right. And uh, you have to accept me as being thin. But also, while I'm waiting for that to come through, it doesn't seem worth spending much money on clothes, to be honest. Though it's been a long time. Yeah. The clothes are falling apart as they wait for me to get thinner to go into the old clothes that would fit me. Um, yeah, I wear suits on stage, so that's something I do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had one handmade for you. Yeah, how do you know that? I know everything about you. I do research, believe it or not. I, you, I was listening to your excellent podcast. And, oh, uh, thanks. And you mentioned it, I think, in episode one of your, your podcast. Well, I was doing a... That means that you've listened to all of them, thanks. <laughs> uh, there's 217 of them, so I hope you've been through. I listened uh, to one and a bit, a bit of the most recent one. Good for you. So one and a bit. To see how, how much we'd improve. Yeah. <laughs> Of just us two chatting. Um, I uh, I went to a I went to a gay dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, how's that is how's that different from a heterosexual dinner? Oh, it's just very flouncy. <laughs> okay. More wine, more okay. bitching, okay. Um, and I mean it, it was it was for a charity. I shouldn't say that. And uh, <laughs> and I was sat next to sort of quite a fabulous man. He said, "I love how you dress," and I said, "Thank you." And he was a tailor, and he said, I'll make you a suit. So he did. And I was like, it was during the, you know, the period where I was very poor. And I was like, I don't think I can afford a suit from you, but thanks all the same. And he was like, no, I'll just, I'll gift you one. And so he made me a suit, awesome. and it has, and if you open up in the lapels, it says Susie Ruffle. Did you have to go in like three or four times to have it? To be measured, che- yeah. yeah. It's yeah, exciting, no. isn't it? I did it for my wedding, I had a wedding suit. I was at your wedding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the suit. It was lovely. I mean, I don't remember the suit. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very exciting thing to have. It. Yeah. Al Murray uh, bought, bought me a suit because he, he kind of wished it had been me and him. <laughs> I've always got that vibe yeah. from you too. Yeah. yeah. It could have been. We could have worked out. It could have happened. could have happened. Uh, but I ended up with Katie. It's fine, you know, in a way. <laughs> I could have done with Al's money. He's been divorced quite a few times, though, so he hasn't got as much as he would have had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's exciting getting a suit though it is, yeah it's, it's lovely that's an exciting uh, prospect um, so I'm going to ask you an emergency question yeah I'm going to ask you a new one Ooh. so in case you've been revising <laughs> of the book um, let's see what have I got for you well, this, is an, this is a difficult one what's the best thing you've ever lost and then found again it's a difficult question oh my cat oh I lost how, did you, how did you lose your cat? Well, she was just in a cupboard, but <laughs> she's an indoor cat. Yeah. And she's very small. She's 
she's too small, really. Um, but I don't say that in front of her. Um, and she's got very large ears, so she can probably hear what I'm saying right now. But she's beautiful. She's an angel. She's a baby. She's a princess. She's a dream. And I love her more than anything. And uh, I was getting ready, and sometimes... I didn't know this at the time, but she likes going in my wardrobe and sitting amongst the shirts. Because, you know, they're silk. And... She and I couldn't find her. And I was like ringing my girlfriend being like, I've lost the cat, I don't know what happened, I must have been taking out the rubbish. And she must have got out. And then I was very emotional and then I just heard, nah. <laughs> <laughs> My baby? <laughs> Where are you, my baby? <laughs> our, a... our cat is a house cat and did get out. And we're letting him in, him in the garden a bit. And he's an idiot, our cat. What's he called? He's called Smithers. We had two. We had, <laughs> we had Lino, Lino, who looked like, like a lion. So I got to name her Lino which my wife did not want. I wouldn't have wanted that And then so she either. got to name Smithers, Smithers, so she named Smithers, but Lino died. I'm sorry. Tragically. How? Uh, well, she was... We, they were both um, a bit inbred. They're beautiful cats. Uh, and uh, she, she was just too small and she had a heart thing. And then, yeah. uh, then we had to... I watched her die in front of me. It's the most terrible thing. When they, they, you know, someone injected her with... It was an official vet. It wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't make... like a house party that went weird. <laughs> um, so that was sad. But Smithers... I wish Smithers had died. Oh. If, I, if I could have chosen... I don't want to hear that! If it had been Sophie's choice between... If they said one of your cats has to die... It's not Richard's choice. That's what it is. There's a film, Smithers or Lionel. Wouldn't even have to think about it. <laughs> Lionel was lovely. Smithers is a dick. He, he wheezed in the tumble dryer... <laughs> Maybe it's because you say things like, I wish you had died. He's... And then he's like, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to piss on your clothes he's... before you even put them in he's there. He's deaf, so that shows how stupid you are. He um... might be able to lip read. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about doing that. tiny signing. Given he can't, like, basically stay alive. But he once got out of the house and then... And I thought, I mean, because Katie likes him... Uh... And he'd gone, and I thought, oh, fuck this. I'd left the gate open or something, and I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. Then I found him. He'd gone round, round the other side of the house, and he was okay. I was, I was worried only because I'd be in trouble with my wife. I was secret, <laughs> secretly hoping. Occasionally with the kids, you kind of occasionally hope. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of twos, a lot of work. Uh, so, um, <laughs> what was the weirdest... Did we answer that? We did answer that question. What is the weirdest reason you ever skived off school? Did you ever did you ever skive off school? I'm feeling all the time. I'm feeling yes, yes. Oh, I never really gave reasons. I just didn't go in. Right. So mum would drop me off and I'd wave. <laughs> and then I'd fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember distinctly I would uh, one of my favourite things to do would be to go to Tesco's for a breakfast. <laughs> so one day I went to Tesco's for breakfast, and as I was finishing, my mum and my nan walked in. And I was like, oh no. Mum went, Oh, Sue's not again. <laughs> Come and sit with us. <laughs> See, oh, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of discipline no. growing up. Like I remember, and like mum and dad are very supportive of me doing stand up, but because I wasn't very academic at school, I think they were just like, "Oh, she'll work in a shop," you know. Like she'll just she'll she'll stay in Portsmouth. She'll get married to a man. She'll have a baby. That'll be her life. And I remember when I was about fifteen, I said to mum, "I might go to university." And mum went, "Oh, Sue's, your brother's the clever one." <laughs> You can tap dance. Like, that was an alternative career choice. Like, oh, well, then I'll be Lionel Burr. 
So at what point did you start thinking about doing and uh, being an actor, was it first? Yeah, you? so I... Because I, I found school so hard, my mum got me... Mum was like, oh, why don't you do, like, some Amdram sort of stuff, amateur dramatics? And I went and I loved it, and finally I was sort of good at something because I'd always been, like, bottom set for English because of dyslexia, bottom set for maths. I was okay at some of the other subjects, quite sporty but not good enough to be, like, an athlete. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I found this thing that I was, like, quite good at showing off. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, what a lovely thing for a child to be. Watch me, watch me some more, watch me some more. So, um... I, and so I started doing that and then I got into tap dancing and did a bit of singing and then I was like, oh, this is the thing that I want to do more than anything. So I went to drama school and I loved it and again, first time in my life, I was like, I'm good at this. Oh my God. And I found people that are like me and I think like during that time I sort of came, came out as well and so I think that sort of as a kid I was like, I wasn't very good at school and then I always had this secret that I knew I was gay so it felt like I was always sort of carrying this sort of backpack of shame that I was like, oh God, I hope no one realises, I hope no one realises that I'm different. And then, it, I, and then I sort of came to London and it sort of seemed like this amazing place where you could be anyone you wanted yeah. and I was with all these very creative people um, and I didn't feel like I was sort of a loser anymore. And then, uh, and then I left drama school, didn't get any work, feeling like a loser came back. And then I found stand-up. Yeah. That's interesting. So did your family, were they surprised when you came out? Or did they, do you think they had worked it out? I think some of them weren't. I think my mum was a bit, but I think that's just because she had sort of just imagined a different life for me. And, like, my parents didn't know any gay women. No. They knew a couple of gay guys. But my dad said that I was the first lesbian he'd ever met. Right. <laughs> and, I mean... <laughs> Probably you were, or maybe you were, but probably. No, I mean, I'm definitely yeah. not. No. <laughs> might move on, he might not go out very much. No, he does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that it was, um, a, lot, a lot of that was raised to it. And I think that I was actually talking to one of my friends about this today. I have sort of realised that I think that's where the stand up came from because I, at school, because I, I wasn't very good in class and I was also terrified that people were going to realise that I was gay. I was just like, be the funny one. Be stupid. Do something mad. Get detention for being a dickhead. Because that way people aren't going to be focusing on the fact that I haven't got a boyfriend or that I'm a bit awkward around girls or whatever else. So yeah. I think that sort of... I don't think... I think that if I wasn't gay, I probably wouldn't be a stand-up. And it was it still... When I was at school, like, you know, being gay, which we don't, don't think any of us understood what it really was but it was kind of oh it was definitely it was a worst, slur that it was, was the worst, worst thing, thing someone could say about you yeah and was that still the case yeah, yeah. very much so yeah is that do you think that's ever gonna is that changing? i think it's changing now yeah. yeah i've got a little cousin who is gay and he's out and he's at school and he's just like if anyone gives him shit he's like fuck you like he just doesn't care yeah. it's amazing <laughs> it's interesting because i think everyone feels you know i think not everyone but lots of people feel you know at, as a kid you're trying to conform in mm. lots of ways and yet lots of people, you know, feel different than what they're supposed to be. Um, yeah. And so I think everyone sort of goes through that, but then to have that additional sort of fear of... Yeah, I was terrified. Like yeah. yeah, I was really scared about it all, and I hated it, and I would have done anything to be normal. And I just hated that I was different, and I really wish, like every night I wished that I would wake up normal. Like it was, it's got bleak quite quickly, sorry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I really, I really, I really hated myself for it for a really long time. For it was about eight years of knowing that I was gay before I came out, and trying really hard, and having boyfriends, and trying really hard yeah. to sort of be this thing that I thought was normal. And I just, you know, couldn't do it. It was, you know, and in, in the end, I just had to sort of confront the fact that 
I was a gay lady. <laughs> and was there any was there a- anyone like in uh, on TV or the media that you kind of could look to then? Because I think you you probably <laughs> I will have read you saying that younger people are emailing you and talking to you about the t- they've not come out to their yeah I get a lot of that because I, so the podcast that I do is with Tom Allen so it's just he and I were really good friends and it's just us two two gay people talking it's you might like it you might not. See yourself, but we do it, and it's, we've got like a real gay following because yeah. of that, and um, and it's lovely, and it's lovely that people get in touch and go, oh, like I've not come out yet, but I love this podcast, and I know that I'm gay. I just, but like you know, listening to you guys make me feel like I'm normal, and it's like I would have loved to have had something like that because I there were no gay women in the media. The first gay woman that I knew about was Ellen DeGeneres, and all I knew about her was that she came out and lost everything, right? And so I was like, never come out. Yeah. She was a hugely successful comic. She had one of the biggest sitcoms in America. She came out, the show was cancelled the following week and they didn't put out the next five, the, they had five more episodes left in the series and they just didn't air them. And, like, they just, and then she didn't have any career for like three years and she had to go back into the clubs. That's the equivalent of like someone who's, you know, as big as like Mickey Flanagan or, you know, Sean Locke or whoever else, like, or Alan Carr being absolutely huge on TV all the time. And then everyone going, no, we don't like you anymore, no. And then having to go back to, like, you know, yeah, tiny just, comedy can't, clubs. I can't imagine what that would be like. <laughs> um, it's, um... <laughs> I'm going to leave. <laughs> you weren't shamed out of your career. They just realised I was, wasn't good enough. <laughs> It's worse in a way, isn't it? If it at least if I'd been gay, I'd have had something. Could have gone and sucked some cocks or something. You still could have. I could have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but it's, it's sort of heartbreaking. You wrote a beautiful thing for, for The Guardian about being 17 and, and sneaking off to Brighton with your uh, friend who was a girl and yeah. kissing under the pier and stuff and not quite being sure what was going on. Yeah, and, we used to go to Brighton so that we could yeah. hold hands without knowing anyone. Yeah. We didn't like. We never like. But it's such a you know when you read something like that, and I guess that again is as it's such a you know it's, it's so weird that anyone would care about what, who anyone was falling in love with, you know. But when you actually just read something that's as simple and uh, as that, you know, it's, you think how could anyone be creating? Problems oh, but people, people still are quite angry of course, about yeah, it. Yeah, like the the only shit I ever get online is homophobic, right? And the only time I've yeah, I, I've not. You know, people assume that doing being a comic, you get heckled all the time. But you know, like, it doesn't really happen that much. But the only heckles that I've ever received have been, "I can fix you. You need a good fucking." Right. Like, like just that sort of thing. Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm getting a good fucking. It's just not from men. So <laughs> please don't go home worried about me. Like, oh god, poor cow. All she wants is a good fuck. No, like it's. <laughs> I hope my mum. Like, no, my mum doesn't know how to download podcasts. It's fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like it's it, it's 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 crazy that people still give a shit. Yeah, people are dicks. Yeah, uh, that's just the problem. That's the, I got that's bleak the... with that answer. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. No, we're allowed to do it a little bit. A little oh, bit. are we? Yeah, it's oh. nice to do that a bit, and then we'll we'll get funny again in a minute. Okay. <laughs> let me know when, and I'll. Okay, I'll let you. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> well, you talk about that as well. I mean, this is again a bit the thing I've seen you talk about in your app, but you talk about that kind of idea that a guy sees two women together and thinks he's going to get a, a, end up with a threesome, which yeah. is, is yeah, that happens. Hopeful, yeah. You know, you've got to admire the hope of that. My girlfriend and I were in a club, and a guy was like, "Shall we?" And I was like, 
no, mate. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what about the like what about the undercut and the Dot Martens are saying. I'm looking for a threesome. Like, I feel like I feel like I've made my feelings very clear. Uh, um, I, I sort of admire that kind of confidence in someone. I don't. Can, I hate it. <laughs> I think there's everything that's wrong with the male psyche. Anyway, continue, Richard. Continue. Well, only because I could. I could never. I could never go up to someone. Thanks for that. That's awful. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> I mean, it must work like one in a thousand times. Maybe not with two people, but... Yeah, maybe... I mean, maybe. one in a million with two people. Still worth a crack, isn't it? With <laughs> <laughs> the one in a million where they both go, actually, we're both a bit tired of lesbianism. We want to do a bit, but for your entertainment... want to keep my hand in, yeah. but... <laughs> Ah, just everyone's just an idiot, aren't they? That's the problem. Everyone's just stupid. Um, so, but you have used well. You've you've used your uh, real. What's the, what, what your current show is that you're touring now? Yep, it's called Nocturnal. Nocturnal. What's that one about? Is that, about, about worrying anxieties? About yeah. yeah, it's about. Well, basically, the show sort of came about, or the idea of the show sort of came about because I was doing some new material. Um, I think like down at Top Secret or somewhere, and I just said. I've got to a stage in my life where I think if you don't have anxiety, I don't think you're concentrating. Yeah. And people laughed, and I was like, oh, that, I could do a show about that. I could do a show about worries. And so the show's about, yeah, about sort of different sort of worries that I have. I call it my 3 a.m. press conference. And as you know, you have sometimes have those nights when you're like, it feels like, oh, fucking hell, I've got so much to worry about. Yeah. And it can be anything from, like, global warming to, like, will the next series of The Crown be as good as the first two? You know? <laughs> You know, because that's a worry. And so, yeah, it's... Um, and so, so I started... Yeah, I started thinking more and more about the fact that I'm a real worrier. And it sort of came around about the same time as I had a couple of interactions with this guy that was trolling me quite a lot and sort of made the connection that maybe I'm becoming more anxious in the world because a man is on Twitter telling me that I should burn in the fiery pits of hell. Yeah, well, I don't think social media helps all that stuff. I mean, there's so much no. going in the world that's to worry about anyway, like the world... Like exploding in, yeah in lots yeah. of different ways uh, so you know it, it would be weird not to be anxious I think as you get older weirdly I, 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 I've talked about this last year I think well, I, I was just waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock and then feeling anxious and I didn't know what it was about even but since I've stopped drinking that hasn't happened again <laughs> So that's kind Since of Since I've started drinking, that is hasn't it, happened. Is it, right? I think it may be worse. But if you drink enough, you either got to drink nothing or a lot. Right. And if you just knocked out till the morning, then you won't have that horrible kind of... <laughs> ri- but you'll wake up with the blues. <laughs> yeah. But it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you, you do sort of... I worry so much about stuff. I don't know if that's just human or if that's particularly comedi- a comedian thing. I don't know. You're, I, you're thinking so much about stuff all the time as well. You get time to think about everything. But I've found from audiences, like, you know, you get the laughs of recognition. I'm like, yeah. oh, it seems to be a... I, I don't know whether we worry more now because we have a, access to everything that's happening in the world at the click of our thing, fingers. So we know so much about what's happening in a way that we maybe didn't 50 years ago. Well, but also I think we you hear all the stories about everything and then that and everything that's wrong is everyone extrapolating from something that happens to one in a million people yeah. and thinking oh my you know no one cared about no one was worried about children being abducted in the 1970s they must have been the same number of kids being abducted and kids were abducted but no one was going you can't go out and play in the streets on your own and now everyone's so worried about this thing that actually, you know, I, and so am I, so you don't let your kids go out and play. But, you know, if you did let them go out and play, they'd probably be all right. If you lose one, your life's a little bit easier anyway. So it's... 
just have a couple, you know, just two or th- maybe have a third one. Oh, no. The danger is you have the third one to, in case that happens and then it doesn't happen. You're lumbered with, the three, with three. Yeah, I mean, probably just have one child and really and look really after it. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm doing with the cat. Yeah, that's exactly. But imagine, yeah, it is the same. So I'm terror. I'm absolutely all the time. I worry about you know if I'm out of the room, I kind of worry someone's going to smash the windows and grab the kids. You know, it's just in, it's just sort of insanity. But I don't know whether we're just we're so terrified of everything because it's pushed in our faces and actually you know th- those things aren't, aren't really very likely to happen. You know, I also think because of like going on Twitter and stuff. Like if you go onto Twitter, it's so much like rah, just yeah. people shouting and being angry. Yeah, rather than like. Here's a recipe for a cake. It used to be nice, you know, Twitter. Yeah. Were you there when it was nice? No. <laughs> it was really Instagram's good. Instagram's quite nice. Is it? Yeah. I'm yeah. Do you do that? It's I've, the one I've, with the photos? I don't really do that. <laughs> I've got an Instagram account. I don't know what it's called or what the password is. <laughs> I, did, I did post things there for a little while, mainly a picture of my cock, and then no one wanted to. No, I, would, I, didn't, I would never do that. Um... <laughs> sound more suspicious um, I'm not you know I'm not Joel Domit so it's, uh, it's I'm not I'm not that guy <sighs> I feel like you've um, you know you in Edinburgh you've been you've done five or six shows five, you've done five yeah. one, one person shows yep and yeah I'm, and I'm going back up to Edinburgh and you, you're not you've not been nominated for any of the awards have you because you've, no, you've been up I've... like my wife saw your show in must have been 2017. Yeah. And she came out going, she's definitely going to get nominated, definitely get nominated. And that's what we're hearing. That's and happened then, a few times. Yeah, <laughs> People going, you're year, getting nominated. Oh, last bad year news. It was, it was the same as well. Yeah. I mean, it's again. I've, it's, had, a lot, I've, had, I've had like the, the judges in lots yeah. and stuff like that. So you've been uh, really close. Yeah. But I've never won anything. And I know that you've said that until you started winning all the Chortle Awards. Yeah. But I never, I've never been nominated or won anything. I think the last thing I won was like a swimming gala. Right. Is it, these is, shoulders don't quit. It's difficult because, Pete, you feel... I mean, I think Edinburgh, again, uh, makes this, again, worse than it is, but it feels like a competition. It feels like yeah. that, that's an important thing. It feels like if you don't get nominated in Edinburgh... Then you've lost. Then you, yeah. You've... Because also, you don't, you don't choose whether you're in... You don't, you don't say, oh, I will opt in to be in the group of people that can be nominated. You go up, and all of a sudden, you're in this race that you didn't apply to be a part of, and then... What's happened to me a few times is that three weeks into the festival, they go, just so you know, you're still in that race. You go, oh, am I? Oh, maybe I could be someone that come, does quite well in this race. Oh, you're still in the race. And then like two days before the awards announced, you're still in the race. You're like, oh my God, this race is going very well. And it went well last year and it went well the year before. So maybe this time I'll be, oh, I didn't do very well in the race. <laughs> I broke my ankle at the last moment. So yeah. Yeah, so it's a weird thing. But in a way, I mean, I, I, I sort of feel glad in a way that none, none of it ever happened for me because I think you, and I think it may be true of you as well, is you just keep coming back and doing the shows and then you get much better at what you're doing. And you're, you're, you're touring the shows and you're, you know, you're a really excellent stand-up. Oh, thanks. And so it doesn't matter that nobody has kind of gone, here's your official validation that you're... Yeah, but I would love that. Of course. <laughs> but all, all, everyone I would, would love someone to go, do you know what, here's an award because you're funny and lovely. Yeah. And so here you go. Every, oh. Everyone, I'll give you... I'll give you, uh, you can have a copy of Christmas Emergency Questions because it's, cause it's February. Uh, so... <laughs> What for being good? No, it's 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 in a way you know it's that it's that 
it's that well we were talking about it backstage about that you know touring and building up your audience and you've been yeah. building up your audience via your podcast mm-hmm. and you know you can viably tour yeah which is amazing which is a, which is a rare thing yeah and, and like so it, be... it is it, it's a slow process though but it, but i feel like you know i've i you know when i sort of started that i had friends that sort of had a really sudden like they were massive they were huge names and they all sort of coped with it really well and they were good enough to turn out loads of material but i'm really pleased it took me quite a long time to sort of learn how to be good enough and i really played all of the clubs i've played like most cities across the country i've driven everywhere and i've done loads and loads of tour support i've done like maybe like 200 dates for Josh Widdicombe and like supported Alan Carr and supported Romesh. And so he spent so much time sort of going on. And when you're the opener, you're like, oh, hi, none of you have paid for me and I'm actually in the way of the person that you want to see and you've got to listen to me for 20 minutes. But I think because I did so much of those, like hundreds of those sorts of dates, I got really good because I was like, I have to make these people like me. So I'm going to work really hard. So that 20 minutes. And now I seem to get lots of people coming to my tour shows that are like, we saw you open for Josh Widdicombe four years ago. And we've yeah. sort of kept an eye on you and now you're touring yourself. So I think that it's taken me sort of quite a long time to sort of get to a stage where I can tour. But I think I'm so much better for it. Yeah, I think it's true. I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's hard for anyone to get discovered really quickly anyway. Yeah. And but there are a lot of just excellent stand-ups as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's, this is the problem. Yeah, and I know. Should we you know, kill them? As, as opposed to... As opposed... <laughs> Sorry, don't record that bit. <laughs> but as opposed to the 90s, you know, when it was everyone would sort of get their turn, you know. Yeah. And there isn't, there's too many people for you to get your turn. Yeah, it's really, it feels, that's the thing, like in Edinburgh, it feels sort of like yeah. you've got to get, you've got to get the channels in and you've got to get the production companies in and they've got to know that you exist. And on the day that they come in, you've got to really hope that the audience are good and that you're good and that you're having a good day and the audience are having a good day so that they can go, hey, you're one of those people that always has good days. We should put you on TV. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes you go, no, they came to the one where I wasn't having a good day. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me. <laughs> but you've done live at the Apollo, and you're doing lots have, of TV now. Yeah. And you're doing it. You're in a travel show, which uh, I, am. I was talking to London Hughes about last week, and uh, she uh, was saying how how difficult it was for women to get on these shows. So that you're doing, we admittedly one within the UK on a bus, but it's a start. Hey, yeah, I'm doing the, the comedy bus with Joel yeah. Domet. Yeah. Uh, we're currently travelling around the country. Me, Joel Domet, Ian Sterling, Tom Allen, Darren Harriet, and Kerry Pritchard McLean travelling around the country in a minibus. Yeah. And going to each other's hometowns. Oh, is it a minibus? I kind of, I hoped it'd be like a big double-decker bus like in no, summer No, it's not holiday. a double-decker bus. Do you know, it's also not really a minibus. It's a bus that has a bar in it. Oh, does it? That's the best thing about it. And from yeah. the first day, we were like drinking quite a lot to the point where we were like, we probably should <laughs> hang back on the gin because this is being filmed for the telly. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really, really fun. Cool. And like Joel, who you're interviewing next, is like just with brilliant people who are really good friends and you have a really good time with them. So, yeah, it's really fun. Cool. We're really lucky to and be And when's that going to be on? In April, Hong Kong okay. Central. It's already been out by, for people at home. Uh, but when, prob- when is this going out? Oh, ages away now. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I'm really playing the card that I don't like you tonight. I really <laughs> sorry. do. I know. I know, I know. We're having, it's fine. It's, these, it's, is them, it? it's them that's weird. <laughs> I think they're all right. Yeah, they are good. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I love you. You thought more people were going to join in. <laughs> I regret that. Right, I'm going yeah. to ask. I'm going to go early yeah, emergency please. questions because there's, you know, what about this? Yeah. Would you rather have a tit that dispenses talcum powder? Yay! I've gone. That's for, what they want. Yeah. 
They haven't heard this for a long time. They've been starved of this question. Or a finger that can travel through time. Finger that can travel through time? Of course. Where would, you put, where would your finger go? Everywhere. <laughs> uh, uh... Where would be the first port of call? It's only your finger can go. You can look through and see what it's doing. Well, I... But I can't be there. I can no, just have a just look. Your, finger, your finger's there. Your finger's in the past or the future. You, there's a little hole around it. You can peek through and see what it's doing. Like a glory hole? Well. <laughs> if your idea of a glory hole is a oh, finger. Oh, it's a penis! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd quite like to go into the future to see what I'm up to. Okay. Oh, but then wouldn't it be horrible if I was like, oh, me in the future and I was in yeah. a coffin? That'd be terrible. I mean, you will be in a... Well, you know. Unless... What? Unless... <laughs> What? We might all be wiped out in some kind of mass event that means you're just your body will disintegrate or rot naturally. But <laughs> presuming civilization holds together. Actually, no, you're maybe young enough to live forever because there is gonna, there's a generational point at which point humanity will basically become immortal. I mean... I'm not that young. You are. You might be young enough. I might be the oldest young person. <laughs> you could be. You could be the last one who survived. Oh, and then you'll be really old and everyone else... Will be also get old, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of how it works, isn't it? Oh fuck! I'll have the tit. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, look, there's some good questions in the old days. If you had to marry a muppet, do you remember? Yep. The, do, you remember do you know what the muppets are? Yeah, mate. You didn't know any of the stuff from the seventies that I mentioned backstage. Uh, if you had to marry a muppet, which muppet would you marry? Um, you can go into Sesame Street as well if you want or the Furchester Hotel uh, just because I want to marry Fenella from the Furchester Hotel <laughs> okay in M- Muppet Island Christmas Carol oh yeah good choice there's a bit where Fuzzy Bear's doing the stand up okay. do you know that bit where he's yeah. like oh god this is harder than I thought and I was like yeah 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 it is and uh, and Kermit goes myth it's a myth 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 and this little waitress goes yes <laughs> and I'd marry her the, ma- the waitress that's a good answer because you know gonna... someone that can do a lot with a little part yeah <laughs> it's a sign of a real actor isn't it very good uh, which celebrity would you like to stroke your hair as you die um, if you are going to die we, 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 well yeah we haven't that, that, yeah, made we... that assumption um, Leonardo DiCaprio Oh yeah, yeah. What's what's some reactions in the room? What's the appeal of Leonardo? I mean, what's not the, the appeal of Leonardo? Well, I just think that he seems like a good guy. He's got a bit of a. And he's sp- lovely looking. He's got a sprout face. <laughs> face. His face literally looks like a sprout. <laughs> They've just painted a face on. Increasingly, as he get older, that is even truer. His face, the outside of his head. It's gross, I think you've lost face, your fucking mind. His face. <laughs> no, I think you know he... those little. Do you remember those little scrunchy up faces? You put two fingers in there too, and they were like scrunchy up face. That's basically what Leonardo DiCaprio looks like. <laughs> and cre- increasingly, as he get old, I get older. Well, I want him. Okay. <laughs> and his sprout face. <laughs> would you? Would you like to? Would you go? Would you go straight for Leonardo DiCaprio? What do you mean? Oh, go straight for him, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant 
would you go straight for him to stroke your hair as you were dying? And I was like, yeah, I've just said that, Rich, come on. Um, would I go straight for him? Yeah. Yeah, like, for a bit. But then I'd probably be like, oh, yeah. I'm bored of that. So, if Leonardo DiCaprio came up in your club and said, how about it? Would you... Would what, shall we? Yeah, shall uh, we? I think for my girlfriend would be like, absolutely. <laughs> And I'll be like, yeah, you're right, Bab, let's go. <laughs> but you've got to get the Uber, that sort of thing. <laughs> so he knew I was a lady, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. God, I thought, oh, dear, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to wrap up soon. You've just done the Now Show. I have. Right, it's, it's, I've been having so much fun. It's got, that, this hour has flown by. Oh, that's um, good. Uh, how, so are you doing, have you done the Now Show before? Yeah, you, I've done it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. To varying success. What did you do about in, in the current the now show you've just done? Uh, I did it about um, some MPs leaving Labour. Oh, yeah. And the shit that they were getting on Twitter. Yeah, remember that, people at home? <laughs> remember that? that period. I don't know it's... why you've brought up a topical news know, show. Because I'd be interested to see what they think of it in the future. What I love about topical In the future, now... they'll be going, oh, my God, do you remember the Labour but, Party existed? But even in, <laughs> even God, in six it. weeks, seven weeks, however long this takes to go out... Just things have changed so much. Yeah, been through the, six. The home independent group by then. Have, have split up into eleven independent groups of eleven different people. They've gone back and forth. That's what's happened. We might be a Brexit. We might not. Do you think we're going to Brexit? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. I think we might have to. The people at home know the answer. I wish I could put my finger into the past yeah, now and the future would, now. Be oh, good to know. it's fucked. <laughs> I think Theresa May wishes she could put a finger in the future. Uh, probably just into her own brain and pull it out. And <laughs> I don't. What do you think she's gonna? Um, I just sort of. I mean, I don't worry about her because I don't like her. Uh, but <laughs> what does she think she's gonna get out of this? She's, she's, she's just power. Gonna, no, because she's she's gonna get the minute she's done it, she's kicked out. So she'll be the person who's remembered as the architect of whatever comes up. Yeah, it would have to be an amazing. It's like success. how Graham. Lineham's going to be remembered. Right. Like he'll, he'll briefly be like, oh, he wrote those great sitcoms. And be like, oh, Drew became a massive transphobe. What a cunt. <laughs> so it's... So... <laughs> fucking liberals. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what... Um, yeah, it's what... Uh, but so, yeah, Theresa May's going to have a similar thing. Yeah. I just don't see... I would just... If I was her, I would Jen just go, oh, fuck the lot of you. Oh, yeah. Stick this Brex up your ass. I'm not doing it. Yeah. You fucking... You thought about like, Jacob Rees-Mogg, you cunt. Oh, yeah. He's the worst, isn't yeah. he? I hate him. Or any of them. You know, like Michael Gove, who just was going, oh, oh yeah. He's yeah, got yeah, such there's a weird no guarantee face. that we're going to be able to have any business after Brex. You told us it'd be all right, you can... Oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, there probably are no podcasts in the in, future. In two months. This, this is never going to go it's out. probably never going to go out. <laughs> What a waste of time. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible waste of time. Oh, dear. Well, well so where can people um, see you then? You're gonna be, are you going to be touring for 20, the rest of 2019? Yeah, I'm going to be touring. I've got tour, my, my tour's up until May. I don't think okay. it's be up before May, probably yeah. not. Um, and then I'll be in Edinburgh for the summer. Oh, you're doing Edinburgh? Yeah. New show? Yep. You've written the new show? Written bits of it. Have you? Yeah. Do you have a theme for this show? Or is it just going to... No, just a title. Just, what's the title? Dance like everyone's watching. Okay, I like it. Vague, isn't it? Nice, <laughs> nice and vague. Whatever happens, it can get shoved in. I did Lord of the Dance set too. Very similar, very similar. Uh... <laughs> I saw that show. Yeah. Oh, that was one of my first years in Edinburgh. I remember coming oh, to that show. Wow. Mm. Um, yeah, so we can see, there will definitely be, we're going to be doing some Rahalastapas <laughs> in Edinburgh as well. 
<laughs> Bless you. Hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, cool. Well, look, we're going to have to wrap it up. Thanks for having it's... me on. I've liked... No, thank you so much. I've liked this podcast for a long time. It's Good. very nice to be. It's very nice to come on and for... not intentionally, but. I have just been quite mean to you. And let me tell you, I've had a lovely time. Good. It's what, it's what the youngsters do. It's my job. It's what the youngsters and the oldsters do. It's only people who are exactly the same age as me who treat me with any respect. Well, uh, I'm sorry for that. I like it. I, I, that's why I come on here for lesbians to insult me, and that is... I can ring around a camera if you want. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Don't bring her up. We'll talk about Pointless in the next uh, podcast. Uh, but... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, do go and see Susie. She's absolutely fantastic stand-up and uh, she deserves every award in the book and definitely will win in Edinburgh this year. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Susie Ruffle! You have been listening to Raha Lestapa with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Susie Ruffle. The music is by Pest. It's quite good. You probably used it by now. Also, I'd like to thank everyone at ACAST, everyone at Go Faster Stripe, everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, and all my friends and family, and everyone who knows me. Thanks for that. Uh, I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. He's back now from his little sabbatical. This is a Sky Potato, Go Faster Stripe, and Fuzz production. If you have enjoyed these shows, why not come and see us live? Go to richterring.com slash gigs and you can see when I'm playing all over the United Kingdom. Those dates will be announced now. Get there quick. They've been selling fast. And go to rahelestaba.co.uk for more information about this podcast and work out how to become a badger. <laughs>